When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. Thank you all for tuning in. It is Friday. Happy Friday. It's the last Friday we're going to have for a long time until the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be playing football on Sundays. And that's exciting. You should be excited, just like I'm excited for this podcast today. We'll get to that guest in a second. I also want to bring to your attention... We've been saying this on every single one of our freaking shows across the network, and that is that this contest that we're running is you're running out of time. September 4th is when the contest ends to get four free premium tickets to the week one game, San Francisco at Pittsburgh. We know that's the game you would choose. So unless you would want to go to another random week one game, go to the Steelers and 49ers game at Acrisure Stadium. All you have to do is go to contest.fansfirstsports.com, enter the appropriate information, and you're good to go. That's it. That is it. Contest.fansfirstsports.com. Up to $5,000 in value. You could say, well, Jeff, obviously, man, you could go there cheaper. Yes, you could go there cheaper, but why wouldn't you want to spend a little bit more money if it's not your flipping money and get some really awesome seats at the 50-yard line to watch the Steelers in the first home opener since Antonio Brown drop-kicked a punter in the face, Cleveland Browns. You know, you remember that game. So go to contest.fansforsports.com and enter today. Don't miss out. So let's talk about some news before we get to this podcast. The Steelers did sign some more practice squad players. They did nine, I believe, on, I forget what day it is, Tuesday. Uh, then they did four the following day, so they're 13. As of this being recorded, 13 out of 16 have been solidified. They'll get those other three before the uh, actual work week begins getting ready for the 49ers, but as of now, that's where they reside. Uh, Talked about all the trades and good stuff with Jeremy Betts on Wednesday. If you missed that, go back and check that out in the All Bets Are Off segment. But it's time to talk about this podcast today. And I teased this a little bit on the Wednesday show, stating that it's exciting that I've been trying to get this guy on a podcast for a while. He's an unbelievably busy guy. And so it was tough to finally let our schedules sync up, but we were able to make it happen. And I'm excited to have Tim Benz of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review on to talk about the all things Pittsburgh Steelers, to also shine some light on the work that he's doing over on his end, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. And I'm just really excited to have Tim on the program. It was a great conversation. I think you're going to love it. So sit back, relax. After a word from our sponsors, you're going to hear my conversation on a Friday with Tim Benz. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
ride, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I told you all that we were going to have a special interview on this Friday episode of Let's Ride, and we do. I've been trying to get this guy on my podcast for a while now. He finally agreed to do it. That's Tim Benz of the Tribune Review. What's up, Tim? How are you? Yes, yeah, trying to carve out a, an actual half hour or so to do this, so I decided <laughs> to do it right before the first weekend of college football and the start of regular season. So obviously, I, I picked the right week, right? Hey, you're one of the few guys that does about as many podcasts as I do, so I understand your time is valuable. I do appreciate you joining. And before we even get started, you are a part of Fans for Sports Network by proxy. You have your podcast here. I want to give you an opportunity to... Tell people, in case they didn't know that your podcast existed, what is it called? Where can they find it? Why should they listen? Uh, and what you do there on a day-to-day basis. Well, the Breakfast with Ben's podcast, which I've been doing ever since I've been at Trib Live, which goes back to roughly 2017 or 18, uh, we do a podcast there pretty much every day on the webpage at Trib Live. Um, if you go to the Tribune Reviews website, Go to the sports page of Trib Live, or even right there on the front page, there's an access point to get into Breakfast with Ben's, uh, where I post three or four stories every day. And we've got a podcast link beneath it where you can listen to the daily podcast that we do. And about a month ago, we switched over to the Fans First platform. Uh, you and I started talking. It was actually the first time we started talking about doing a podcast together. And yep. uh, I couldn't do it that day. And then the conversation launched into how to maybe take my podcast, which was pretty much just limited to being on the Trib Live site, how to put it on something else like Fans First. And I'm happy we did it. Um, you know, we're rebuilding the feed that we had at the Tribune Review. Of course, we had sort of an ingrained in place thing that now we are working to rebuild. And we are pretty close to what those numbers uh, were at the time when we decided to put it on fans first for the, for the feed itself. And it's still there for everybody who used to listen to it uh, for any listeners who came to the Tribune review website and uh, listen to breakfast, the Benz, you can do it exactly the same way. It just looks a little different. Uh, you yeah. don't have to um, do anything different. You don't have to pay or subscribe or anything like that. But if you do want to subscribe and get the feed automatically, you can. And um, we just go through the uh, megaphone app like so many other people do and, it's quick, it's easy, it's free, and you can get all sorts of uh, Pittsburgh sports talk every day. Lots of Steelers talk during the regular season. We've got a fantasy sports podcast that we do weekly. When the Penguins get into play, we will have two Penguins podcasts per week with Seth Rorba, who's a beat writer that covers the pens for the Trib, and Brian Metzer is a studio host for the Penguins radio network. Joe Rudder, my colleague at Trib Live, he and I do a podcast after every Mike Tomlin press conference. So we put that up. And all these podcasts are frequently embedded in our stories as well. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think for Pittsburgh sports fans, it's, it's the way to go. We just had a really good one that we put up. This is independent of the Steelers, but and there's news percolating right now as I'm coming on with you is the Penguins made their news official about buying AT&T Sportsnet. Mm. Uh, we had John Aran from Sports Business Insider, or Sports Business Journal, rather, and uh, he's the guy that broke the story in the first place. He's the authority when it comes to sports business news and he answers a lot of questions that people have about watching the Pirates and the Penguins. How is it going to be different for me as a viewer? How is it going to be different for the teams? Um, the way he described it, not too different for the Penguins, but it uh, doesn't look like it's a good deal right now for the Pirates. <laughs> so uh, you can That's listen good. to that. And then, uh, yeah, just we have still go back uh, through our podcast, everything that we did during training camp. Uh, the Trib had sold coverage uh, for our training camp stay out there. for uh, We call it Letters from Camp. Uh, those interviews are still worth listening to because they preview yeah. everything about the Steelers. Still got a great one up there with Rod Woodson from day two of training camp. 
Uh, great stuff about his time uh, with the Steelers in the 90s. Lots of stuff about Joey Porter uh, coming into the league as a rookie corner. So go back, scan through in our, our weekly Madden Monday podcast with Mark Madden. are always entertaining where we hit every single topic in Pittsburgh sports, and especially now with the Steelers starting. Uh, lots of Steelers talk every Monday after games. Yeah, so Steeler fans, the easiest way to do this, anywhere you get your podcasts, if you just search Breakfast with Benz, you will see Tim Benz pop up in your search parameters. I know Apple Podcasts, even if you just search FFSN, his is one of the first ones to come up there. So find it, subscribe. You'll want to add that to your list of podcasts because I've told you this a million times. I'm not naive enough to think that all you do is listen to the Steel Curtain Network. Madden Monday, the heel Mark Madden himself is always a good listen. That's a that's a must listen podcast for sure every Monday. But you know, Tim, we're talking about the Steelers today, and of course, everyone is just brimming with hope right now amongst the Steelers fan base. It's kind of odd to me. Uh, we've gone from super cynical the last two seasons, really, to now a lot of hope surrounding the team. Uh, I want to talk about expectations and your personal opinion. And you've been around the team. You are in there, you're seeing practice, you're interviewing players, all that great stuff. When it comes to the feel of the team, and this is going to bleed into expectations, when it comes to how you feel about this team in terms of being in the locker room, especially compared to last season, what are your thoughts? Is it better, worse, indifferent? A little better because I think they are aware of how committed the organization is to pick it. Um, if, if you want me to comp what it feels like coming up on September 1st this year as opposed to last year, it's definitely more optimistic because they're behind now a quarterback that has given at least some body of work that was positive towards the end of last season and has expanded that body of work through a good training camp and a really good preseason. So I do think there's some more optimism and enthusiasm about the start of the season within the locker room than was the case last year. And that's not to say that the locker room was pessimistic. Uh, in fact, I think the locker room talked themselves into thinking that they were going to be better than what they were last year. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make it sound like the 2022 group wasn't optimistic about where things stood, but it was very clear what the Steelers had done at the quarterback position. Uh, they had stacked it with a guy who they bypassed twice for the job in Rudolph, a, a guy that the Bears didn't want anymore, Mitch Trubisky, and the Bills just used as a backup. And uh, then the rookie, Kenny Pickett. So I think there were questions about the quarterback position that hung over um, any real confidence that was there through the rest of the group that they could be a 10-11 to 11 win team. And that turned out to be worthwhile, at least from what we saw in the first half of the season where they didn't know what to do with their own offense. I, I think a big part of this now is the confidence that needs to be shown in Kenny Pickett from the coaching staff because um, they can't have him run a high school offense anymore. They can't, you know, I can't remember who it was. Ryan Clark that used the phrase uh, Saturday. I was a Steve Smith. That called Steve it a, Smith. Yeah. yeah. Saturday offense. I think there's some validity to that criticism and um, it hasn't looked that way in the preseason. And if he throws a couple picks against the 49ers, it can't look like that in week two. They can't go back to it. Um, they've got to stick with this and let Kenny Pickett go through the growing pains. The skeptics about the Steelers offense, since that's kind of the way we're trending in this conversation, which is fine. It was first on the docket anyways. Uh, the skeptics will say Matt Canada is going to hold them back. Now, you saw him when he was at Pitt as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, he's been around. He went to Maryland, LSU, et cetera. We know his, we know his history. Do you personally think that his offense can work in the NFL, and do they have the horses to have it work right now in the 2023 offensive roster? 
Yeah, I think it could work. Um, I I don't think they trusted the quarterbacks last year enough to run what any pro offense could or should look like. You know, I just don't think they saw Trubisky as being good enough once they got their hands on him. And I don't think they thought that Pickett could handle a full menu of offensive plays. I mean, let's be honest, a lot of what made things work at Pitt with Canada was deception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, veteran quarterback and Peterman, a guy who uh, they knew was could handle that kind of workload when it came to studying the playbook. Um, I, I think maybe they underestimated what Pickett could handle last year. I, I, I watch what I'm, what I'm seeing now suggest to me that if they had given him a little bit more last year and would have been more willing to deal with the interceptions that might come with it, they could have scored some more points. Um, so I, I, the only thing that I think might be holding Canada back is the reaction from himself and Tomlin to the occasional turnover. Uh, look back, for instance, at the uh, Trubisky game against Buffalo, la- excuse me, against Baltimore last year, uh, where he threw the three interceptions. Yeah. You know, and then they obviously told him, don't throw a pick this week. You just do not throw one. Whatever you do, don't throw one. They might have said, we'll put Mason in if we have to. <laughs> But was that Carolina the next week where it was, you know, very conservative, uh, didn't need to do much to beat the Panthers. They didn't do much to beat the Panthers and they beat the Panthers. But I mean, like they can't have that. And I don't think they will, but they can't have that kind of allergic reaction to occasional risk taking, not going their way a hundred percent of the time as it has in the five drives that they had in the preseason. Like there was a little, twisted part of me that somewhere along the way wanted to see in those first three preseason games pick and throw a horrible interception because <laughs> i wanted to see what the next drive was going to look that's a like. great point that's a great point yeah i'm good I'm, I'm glad that they've had so much success but there was a little part of me that just wanted to see a terrible offensive sequence resulting in a turnover because i wanted to see how they handled that and addressed it with the next sequence because i do fret about that if they have a bad first quarter against the 49ers do they go back into the shell that they created for themselves last season in terms of the conservative nature that they tend to go to they they shell up as i call it you know they, they go into that little shell the protective shell let's not mess anything up how much of that do you think is mike tomlin or do you think that's more of just an organizational hey we got to shut it down we got a young quarterback. i think it was significantly tomlin last you year you think so i think it was more tomlin than it was canada because i think there had to be whether he's going to verbalize this or not there had to be a part of Canada that heard all the criticism of him, that heard the, the, the Saturday offense thing, that read people like me and all my colleagues, either at the Trib or at the PG, or your site, any site that's out there on the internet, just weekly bashing him for the lack of um, ingenuity that resulted in all these games that barely got into the mid-teens from their offense. But you heard Tomlin with some pride and vibrato in his voice say we did what we had to do to get out of stadiums like you remember that that season ending (laughs) press conference oh yeah he said that like three or four times with gravitas like look at this thing that we accomplished by getting out of there with so little to work with and i i think that was him being so risk averse realizing that there were offensive challenges seeing what happened against miami seeing what happened against Baltimore with Trubisky, that if they made mistakes, they couldn't overcome them. And 
my guess is the offensive coordinator should have been and wanted to be more inclined to score beyond that so they could deal with a mistake or two. I think Tomlin just wanted to put it in the hands of his defense, put it in the hands of the running back, realized what was happening on the other sideline for the last nine games and seeing that largely there was pus on the schedule and just said, we, we don't have to take risks to beat these teams as limited as we are. So let's just try to tread water and see where the AFC puts us. And it kept them alive to the last last quarter of yeah. week 18. Well, let me ask you this question before we leave the offense and go to the defensive side of the football. You know, everyone in 2023, hope springs eternal with this fan base. And rightfully so, the preseason was pretty special in a lot of ways. But when the when the real games start happening, starting with week one in San Francisco, and you look at the AFC, which is absolutely loaded. Here, here, not in San Francisco. Yes, I'm sorry. So, yeah, here, so, yeah. But correct, it's a home opener. But when you think about the AFC, and, and man, those high-powered offenses. And let's just let's make the hasty assumption that the Steelers are in the postseason. Do you think that the Steelers offense can score enough points to be able to hang with the Buffaloes, the Kansas cities, the Cincinnati's, which we'll get to see that twice this season, obviously. And maybe even the New York jets with Aaron Rodgers, like those type of teams, Miami, you can throw them in the mix, say uh, Los Angeles chargers. There's a lot of all those offenses. Can they, can they hold up against those teams is what I want to know personally. What do you think? My overly reductive answer to that question is yes, because if they're in the playoffs, they probably prove they can score with yeah. some of those teams anyway. Um, Good point. Now, now, maybe at least Cincinnati, right? I mean, unless right. they get their doors blown off twice by the Bengals and still manage to get in the playoffs anyway, which which isn't impossible. But you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think that they're going to be in a position where they're going to be in a close game where they have to score with those teams and, and have it be a four-quarter game unless they've proven offensively enough that they can win games that at least get into the high 20s and low 30s occasionally. Occasionally. Right. So uh, that's probably my overly reductive way of answering that. I mean, they they were close. They were on the cusp of a playoff berth last year, and they had 18.1 points per game <laughs> throughout the season. Yeah. It's so, got to yeah. be better than that. Like, they've got to be able to score. I mean, I, I know that the jump from 18 to 24 seems unbelievably drastic, and we've talked about what you'd have to do on a per drive basis in terms of getting to that number. But man, like it, it's got to look different this year. And if, if it, the preseason bleeds into the regular season, the way that the offense was effective and explosive, I'm all in. I think that that could absolutely could look like that. But yeah, there's a little bit of skeptic in me. The biggest reason why I think people should take some honest to God optimism from only five preseason drives is at least they showed the potential to score from outside the red zone. Like, you know, if you look at the numbers that the offense put up last year, like their time of possession numbers were good. Yeah. You know, like, but what they did on those drives, what they proved in those drives is how hard it is to be successful 12 to 13 plays in a row. Yeah. Especially when you're limiting yourself to not test the middle of the field. Any deep shots you take are pretty obvious what they're going to be. They're going to be alley-oop passes down the sideline to your tallest receiver, and then you're just trying to run. So when they were as limited as what they were with the menu of plays that they had, and their whole brand to scoring was to shorten the amount of possessions and win the time of possession, they weren't good enough offensively last year to win 13 plays in a row. So when they lost on play 11 – and Najee got stuffed for a minus three, and they could only get seven yards back on second down, 
and then they threw short of the sticks and hoped that uh, Deontay Johnson could run forwards seven yards as opposed to backwards seven yards <laughs> or ran backwards seven to try to get seven and they only got five. Right. Then yeah. Boswell comes out and kicks the field goal. And that was their offense last year. So the ability now to have the same offensive approach and mentality, but when you get to the 30, maybe hit a home run and score like they did with Pickens on the opening preseason drive in Tampa, just to know that that card is in the deck finally. Yeah. You know, like should make people feel a lot better sure. where the offense is. I agree with all that. Now let's go to the defense. I there's, there's a question here. Yeah. Everyone loves to rail on Matt Canada, rightfully so. I know a lot of it, he kind of brings upon himself and we talked about the organizational approach and how that can alter what the offensive coordinator does. But my question is about Terrell Austin. I don't, I don't know how much the guy does because I'm not in the room. You might have a better feel for that because you're at practices. You're talking to team, the, the, the team and uh, you're at Mike Tomlin's press conference. But in your opinion, it, how much of control does Terrell Austin have of the defense? Or is this really a Mike Tomlin led unit? I don't think the amount of control that he has, has differed all that much from Keith Butler. I mean, I feel like, Austin's a little bit more involved because he's just more of an involved guy on the field. You know, he's yeah out there in the deep third of the secondary, constantly looking at the play sheet, constantly on the walkie talkie. Um, he's a little bit more verbal in the middle of plays with players. Um, whereas Butler would wait for the guys to come over to the sideline and talk to them there. Um, you know, it's tough in training camp. I feel like training camp, Mike Tomlin, splits his view between play to play. Which guy am I watching on offense on this guy, on this play? I'm watching a specific guy on defense on this play. He's probably a little bit more in control because I think Tomlin wants him to be. You know, I think by the end, it was getting close for Keith Butler to leave. I think Tomlin wanted to have his hands on it more and frankly probably knew that Austin was going to be his next guy and wanted Austin to be involved there, you know? So yeah. um, I think that was part of it as well. I think his best trait that I've noticed so far as a defensive coordinator is I do think he has a pretty good understanding of his personnel and what they can and can't do. Um, you know, he was very candid in talking about during OTAs and minicamp what Robinson still doesn't know about being an inside linebacker and why it was important to get all those other inside linebackers. Um, he's been very transparent about why we shouldn't yet elevate DeMarvin Leal into being some sort of secret weapon, um, you know, some sort of Oppenheimer project that they're going to yeah. unveil. You know, um, <laughs> he's been very clear. It was very honest about how much Pierre struggled against Tampa Bay. You know, um, so, so I, I think he's got a good handle. He's talked about like role definition for the inside linebackers between Alexander and Holcomb and Roberts and, a way that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, he's not trying to make every question, make himself sound smarter than the reporter who asked it. Uh, if you're onto something, he'll tell you he, that you're onto something. So you kind of ask the question with a little bit more confidence. You trust your own eyes. And um, if he tells you you're wrong, he'll tell you you're wrong, but then he'll give you a good reason why. I, that's his best trait. I, I don't think he's a mad scientist like the way we used to depict Dick LeBeau or Dom Capers back in the day. Yeah. I, I don't I don't look at Austin and what he tries to do is I'm going to reinvent the wheel and come up with a way to make the zone blitz um, 
into something we've never seen before. Take the 3-4 defense and reshape it in a way that uh, Capers and LeBeau never would have thought of. Like, I, I don't right. think that's his MO. I, just, I, I think his best quality is knowing his personnel. And I think they've built this team on both sides of the ball to be more of a game plan specific team. I, I think they've built this offense and this defense to be more versatile week to week based on who the opponent is like, you know, maybe against the Niners, it's more of an Landon Roberts week because they run the ball, or maybe they look at what they do with Debo in the middle of the field. And they say, well, no, this isn't a Landon Roberts week because they're going to attack the middle of the field in the past game with Kittle. So we don't want to land Roberts out there, but that might make it more of a Keanu Neal game. But then the next week, you know, if they play somebody who's a little bit more aerial aerial, excuse me, maybe we don't see Neal as much. Um, you know, maybe they, they move Minka around in different, maybe it's more of a Patrick Peterson game uh, yeah. to be in the, between the numbers, not outside the numbers. I think those days are largely gone for him, but you get my point. I just, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like, uh, there's a little bit more like when I was in Boston for one year covering the Patriots, you know, they would have guys who were stars in week 13 that would get six snaps in week 14 because yeah, the personnel just didn't. And, and people would go in and ask Belichick, well, why didn't he play? No, why was Patrick Chung had 10 tackles and two interceptions last week? Oh, look who we were playing. Played more of three, three wides, you know. <laughs> Whatever. He would always have a reason as to why that guy wasn't yeah. as good, wasn't as necessary that week as opposed to why he was so highlighted the week before. And I think it's a good thing for the Steelers to go in that direction. Do you think that where the where the defense stands right now, you, you talk about and we we understand that the TJ Watt injury last year is crippling, but even with a healthy TJ Watt last year on paper, is the defense better this year than last year? Yeah, I think it is largely because it's, it is deeper. I think the depth is better. Um, I think Highsmith every year is getting better. I think the depth at outside linebacker, they go to either Herbig or golden. That's better than going to Malik Reed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they are more versatile along the defensive front and maybe to the point that they can actually trust those guys to be influential on the game on purpose as opposed to they just got to go in there because Cam needs out for a drive. Uh, like I said, this, the secondary strikes me as more versatile so you can hide the deficiencies of players more week to week in the, in the way we just discussed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think the defense is better. I'm not, and this is, this is a good example of what I was talking about with Austin being honest with us. I have, we have frequently asked him about the communication in the secondary because, you know, there's so many moving parts and an inside linebacker too. Yeah, for sure. And, and he told us in minicamp, I like where it started, but it's not where I want it to be yet. And then in training camp, he would frequently update us kind of in the same way, but you know, he, he acknowledged that he was nervous at first when Minka Fitzpatrick went out and KZ went out. But they said, you know what? It's a good thing in the long run because now these other guys who usually don't have to talk are going to have to talk and get used to it. And from there, he seemed to have a more optimistic tone anytime he's been asked about the communication, how much it's coming along. Good. That's, that's good to hear. That's great insight. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about week one. It's really hard to believe that week one, San Francisco 49ers are coming to town. At the time that this is being recorded, Nick Bosa has not signed his extension. They are saying that it's expected Kind of reminds me of the TJ Watt scenario a few years ago prior to the Buffalo game in Buffalo in week one. I do remember Watt said how fatigued he was after the game because he's not used to the the game snaps. 
What are your thoughts? But he was also on... great. Oh, he was also great. No, <laughs> I'm not saying he wasn't a game wrecker. He was absolutely still very good. I'm just saying um, like but... that could happen with Bosa too, you know? Like... For sure. How do you think the Steelers match up against the 49ers? It's a tough one. It's it's a very difficult game to call for week one, largely because you know, I, I do a couple of shows with Matt Williamson every week, um, who's you know, former scout that works for yeah. Steelers Radio Network, and he's on the pregame show with me. Uh, he's on my Wednesday night show that I do on ESPN Pittsburgh countdown to kickoff with myself and Tom Offerman and him. Um, he's really good at breaking down film and personnel packages and gets into the nitty gritty of the X's and O's. And he was talking with me on the pregame show before the Atlanta game uh, about what makes San Francisco so difficult to prepare for is they can put the same guys out there put the same personnel package out there and have a completely different intent with what the play is, regardless of who they are because of what Kittle can do because of what Debo can do and because of what McCaffrey can do. Yeah. So, so long as those guys are healthy, it really makes the defense guess. And all these things that we were just talking about, about how much more versatile the defense is and how much more game plan specific, I think they can be week to week. Um, I don't know how that applies to week one though, because they might just have to be versatile in the moment. They might have to, they might just have to stick with the same basic, roughly 11 guys, whoever they think matches up against those other guys, the best, keep them on the field. Hope they don't get tired unless, unless they are keep them on the field because get our best matchups out there against their best matchups, get our, the, the guys that are least likely to be burned by McCaffrey in any sort of situation, the guys that are least likely to be burned by Kittle in any sort of situation. And we can talk about all this higher level defense versus offense chess match X and O theory. If Brock Purdy's arm is still not 100% or like 60%, it's really not going to matter. And the Steelers are going to win. Yeah. Um, but I do like the fact that they've had this track record the last two years. And this is something I'll be writing about coming up for the trip. Even though they've not gotten off to great starts in September overall, they've been really good in week one against good competition and on the road. Yes. So I think they've done a nice job of using the long break between the last preseason game and the first regular season game to just, okay, we've had all these months to work on us. Let's spend a little extra time working on this playoff team from last year that we're facing in week one and come up with something game plan specific. And, that's that's kind of manifested in special teams a couple times. Don't blow off the importance of special teams in this game. Uh, what happened against Buffalo? They got off to the terrible start because of the long kick return. Yep. It opened the game. They won it in part on a block punt. Um, Cincinnati, yes, the long snapper got hurt, but then the Steelers were able to exploit it to their advantage, you know, and, and block the kick and um, affected the outcome from there. So. I think special teams could play a big role in this as well, especially if uh, Pittsburgh has felt some time to, to dial something up. I've always said Mike Tomlin, give him two weeks to prepare for an opponent and he's going to have a very good game plan and whether it's effective and, and it works, that's, that's obviously debatable, but the last two seasons, like you mentioned, he's actually put that on film. Uh, last question for you before I let you go. The, the guy talked about at the very start of this segment, the expectations amongst this fan base are sky high right now. I mean, people are, have gone from, well, maybe they'll make the playoffs too. With they have Kenny Pickett fever and they are ready for a playoff run potential. I mean, there's people talking Super Bowl. You won't hear that from me, but that's what people are talking about. 
Is that crazy? Uh, are these expectations way too lofty okay, amongst right, the fans. So, so I've, I've thought about this a lot, okay? Because yeah. the, the preseason has gone very well. And actually, I had the same opinion going into the preseason that I have coming out. And my prediction hasn't changed, and maybe I'm being a little stubborn on it, but I said 10-7 and seven before. I'm going to stick with 10-7. and seven. They make the playoffs. That's my, that's my sense. And, and the reason I haven't adjusted it is because I don't think – that they were really a nine-win team last year. And I've written this and said this a million times. People are probably tired of hearing it, but I think they got to nine wins through smoke and mirrors, through a bad schedule at the back half. Um, I think that they got out of some close games late. Now, maybe if they had let Kenny Pickett do his thing more, as I talked about before, they have more breathing room against the Ravens and Raiders, and it doesn't quite feel that way, uh, the the way Mm -hmm. I'm talking about now. But... Overall, I mean, they lost at home to the Jets and the Patriots. Those were non-playoff teams, you know. Um, the fact that the ways that they got to two and six should be just as alarming looking back at it as the praise we gave them for rallying the season and finishing seven and two. Yeah. Um, so I, I just I don't think they were truly a nine-win team last year. I think they benefited greatly by who they played to allow Kenny Pickett to almost have that nine weeks of warm up for this year. And yeah. if they had gotten into the playoffs, Hey bully for them. And maybe Kenny would have gotten up the playoff jitters out, uh, out of the way for, for that year too. That's something we have to worry about this year for him. You know, like Roethlisberger right. had in his first year, great in the regular season. And then, you know, wasn't very good in the playoffs. So I think there's reason, plenty of reason to be optimism, but ever have optimism, but everything I wanted to see out of them, the expanse of the offense, the more versatility on the defense, the better play from the offensive line, Pickett's growth, the growth of the playbook, all these things that I was expecting to see in 2023, they've showed me. So in my setting of expectations, <laughs> if I said 10 and seven and they're showing it to me, why should I then just elevate it to 12 wins and maybe disappoint myself? Yeah, so like, you're right. You know, I'm going to say uh, this is what I expected, but I'm also seeing it in micro doses. I'm seeing right. it in five drives, you know, against Atlanta's backups. What's that? What's Kenny going to look like, as we said before, after a couple interceptions? What are they going to do if it's tight against the 49ers as opposed to blowing out the Falcons backups? So like, I'm going to keep it where it is. I'm going to say 10 and 7. I think people, there are some people who didn't realize how bleak 9 and 8 was last year, why they got to where they were, and how they managed to stay in the playoffs as long as they did. And the other thing, Jeff, is it's hard to get to 11 wins. Oh, my gosh. And the yeah. AFC, there was three teams that got to 11 wins last year. It was the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals. Those, those have been the elite teams in the AFC for two seasons now. In that division, in this conference, for them to go from what was kind of a cheesy way to get to nine wins to be a legitimate hammer 11-win team, that's a bigger jump than what two wins in the schedule looks like. Like, to me, that's a much bigger leap. So I'll say 10-7, and seven, but I get it. That's not me being pessimistic. That's me being optimistic that I think the things are – Things are going in the right direction, and all the yeah. things that we heard were going to go in that direction are able to be implemented now. But I just, I really do think that there was, there's more of a chasm between what they were last year to what they are this year, and that one or two wins differential on the win-loss column, maybe not, I don't think that'll tell the whole story. I, yeah. I think they're going to be a much better team this year. I think they'll be a much better team this year, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be reflected in they're going to be the one seed and have the only buy in the AFC or anything yeah. like that. 
That's that's crazy. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, it does. It does because you're basing your your optimism of this year based on what you actually thought of last year. Yes, I think that was really that was a seven win team that we saw last year. And you can they won the they won the NFC South. The Steelers were (laughs) NFC South champions. They were four zero against the and they but they lost four games to the AFC East, a division that proved to be not that good by the season's end. So we have to always kind of go back and get see, it. see the nuts and bolts of how the tower was built. And um, I, I just don't think they were really a nine-win team last year. So if they're a 10-win team this year, I'm going to give them more credit than just one win will look like in the in the uh, wins and loss column. Tim, if you go down to the Strip District, and this is before the preseason success, and you said, hey, next year, what if I told you the Steelers are going to finish 10-7, and seven, they're going to make the playoffs have a really good shot at may winning a playoff game. Would you take it? I guarantee you most people would say everybody yes. would take it. Everyone would take it, but because of the success in the preseason, now that's ratcheted up. I think your prediction is realistic. Your outlook is realistic. I get it. And I do appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, you got um, it. Tim, go ahead and tell people where they can find you on social media and remind them of, of all your work that you do at the trip, which is fantastic. Yeah. At Tim Ben's PGH on Twitter. That's where you can find me breakfast with Ben's every day at trib live. And just go to the front page. There's a Breakfast with Ben's icon, and my stories are, are up there in the morning every day as well. Uh, go to the podcasts that are up at Breakfast with Ben's. And as Jeff pointed out, get them at Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, however you normally get yeah. your podcasts. You can access them there. It's free. You can listen to the Matt Trib live as well. And you can check us out on the pregame show on DVE with myself, Matt Williamson, and Dale Lawley. We start stage AE 9 o'clock in advance of the 49ers game at Acrisure Stadium for the one o'clock kickoff Mondays with Jerry Dulac and Tom Bradley at the Meadows Casino. Uh, we're at the Barstool Sportsbook there for Monday Night Quarterback, and then as I pointed out, the Wednesday show, ESPN Pittsburgh. Matt Williamson, Tom Offerman, and myself countdown to kickoff. No one in the four one two area code works harder than Tim Benz. Tim, thank you for your time. And you I'm can even you watch me on Duquesne, Duquesne football <laughs> against Edinburgh on Saturday. Tune Good in for the Lord. Dukes. Take a break, man. Take a breather. All right, Tim, I'll have you on again. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. No problem. All right, a big thank you from Tim for taking the time out of his busy schedule. Like I said during that that segment, no one in the 412 area code works harder than Tim Benz, and so I do appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to be trying hard to get him back. I'd love to have him on a weekly segment. would be a lot of fun. We'll see. He's a busy guy. All right, let's finish this up with a heart-to-heart like we do all of our shows every single Friday. And this week, it is all about the fact that the Steelers don't play this week. And I was on our NFL feed with Wesley Coleman doing an opinion or fact. You can check that out on our FFSN NFL feed. Go to anywhere you get your podcast. Just search FFSN NFL and you'll find the feed. It's got the FFSN logo with the football and the NFL shield in the middle. And you'll listen to the podcast. And I was talking with him about, you know, everything is, it's a crazy, the preseason just flew by. Here we are on the cusp of week, the first week, you know, and next Thursday is when the season kicks off. And I just want everyone to just enjoy every second of this. It's really easy to get caught up in this whirlwind of game on Sunday, press conference Tuesday, injury report, injury report, injury report. Holy crap, we got to get ready, game on Sunday. It, it goes crazy and it goes fast. But as I was explaining to my daughters how short the NFL season is, I'm just going to tell you now, enjoy every second of it. The wins, the losses, the intrigue, the rumors, all of it. Man, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And I hope that the Steel Curtain Network is how you're going to enjoy it. SteelCurtainNetwork.com. 
fansforsports.com. It's growing like crazy. I can't thank you all enough for the word of mouth referencing to other fans that you know, hey, listen to these guys. They're great. Check out this website, steelcurtainnetwork.com. I do appreciate every single person in the Ride or Die crew who does their part to help us grow this network. So there you go. Enjoy this last weekend without Steelers football. I'm excited. You should be excited. We're all excited. Who are we kidding? On Monday, we're going to have a new, new show for you. Is it going to be a special guest? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Have a great holiday weekend. It is Labor Day in the United States. I will still be back on Monday. So you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Go Steelers.